Lord, we do welcome you here. Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Jesus, who we praise this morning and who we've already been reminded, some of us have walked in, of your goodness, of your healing touch, of your mercies, Lord, even the mercies that have sustained us this week. And so we praise you and we ask that you would stir up praise in our midst this morning. Glorify yourself, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, guests, it's so good to be together. This week has been a full week. And um, as a church family, for some of us, we've grieved the loss of a long-standing member. We've also celebrated some of our members being released from the hospital, praise the Lord. Right? It's been a full week. And the Lord loves us. And even as I gave somebody a hug this morning, I said, oh, that just feels so good. feels like I'd like to do that for about an hour. And you know what? The Lord wants to love on us and hug us for eternity. And so listen as he greets you with these words from John 15. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And my command is this. Love each other as I've loved you. And so I invite you now to share greetings, handshakes, and hugs with those around you. And church, even as um, we shared it, you can have a seat. Even as we shared at the um, funeral service for Ed, who passed away a little earlier than had expected, right? He was sick, and they expected maybe one to three months. And um, the day that hospice comes in, the chaplain comes to visit, and Ed is sure that Jesus died on that cross to forgive him for his sins. And Ed had assurance of salvation. And that's why he could go to the Lord in peace an hour later. But we never know the time, and we never know the day. And so scripture says today is the day of salvation. And so even as we're here to worship Jesus, who is our Savior, um, I invite those that maybe have never heard this story, that today can be the day of salvation. And our children are going to learn more about Jesus and about the hope that's in Jesus as they go to children's worship right now. And so I dismiss you children and teachers to go. Blessings as you continue to worship downstairs. And I'm going to invite Jay Noblock to come up and join me. Jay is actually joining Gold Avenue Church this morning. Yeah? And so, um, Jay, I, I want to, um, we want to hear just a little bit about your journey of faith in coming to know Jesus. Sure. Well, church is nothing new to me. I grew up going to church many times a week. Um, <clears throat> I came uh, from a small little denomination in northwest Iowa and uh, got taught scripture real well, but uh, the church had kind of gotten off track into a lot of legalism, and so there was a lot of teaching of having to do good things to be right with God and not much of an understanding of the grace of God. And so as a child, I always wanted to come to Jesus, but I thought doing so meant being perfect. 
And I tried really hard to do that throughout my teenage years, and I kind of failed miserably. And so when I got to college, I thought, ah, forget it. I'm just going to start drinking. And um, my college years were kind of a drunken haze for a couple years. And um, on my, uh, right around my 21st birthday, um, God was really drawing me. And just through some different experiences, I had uh, friends inviting me to church. It was actually one of my fraternity brothers who brought me to church in college. And I heard the gospel, and it was different than I'd heard it before. It was about a father who loved me and sent his son for me. And um, my 21st birthday was way too much to drink. And uh, the next day after I sobered up, um, I remember saying to the Lord, I don't know where to go to church. I don't know which denomination is right. But Jesus, I need you because I can't do this on my own. And uh, Jesus met me in that moment. And um, that was the turning point in my life nine years ago. And um, it was grace at that point that brought me to know the Lord. And then the journey out of that was realizing that I had to continue to live by grace and that um, there were going to be more times when life didn't go how I wanted it to or I messed up. But learning that, that Jesus shed blood, covered that, and to walk in that was the journey of faith I've been on. Uh, my time in South Korea really taught me. I was an English teacher over there after college. And that really taught me how to uh, walk more personally with the Lord, uh, to learn to discern his voice and really cry out to him, um, and also just to, to let go of a lot of the past hurt uh, from people and the rejection I felt from family and friends. And so it's been a journey. Uh, but I come to you uh, today just excited to uh, formally become a part of this church and um, just so many great people here. And I think a lot of people that understand the grace of God. And that's what this neighborhood le- needs, this city and this world. Uh, Jay, um, I don't need two of those. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got one more question. Um, how did the word lead you here to Gold Avenue Church? You've been in Grand Rapids for how long? Yeah, a little over three years, three and a half years. Oh, boy. It's <laughs> like a whole other story. In the um, short form. In the short form. <laughs> well, I actually was here three years ago. I came for a healing like session one time on a Friday or Saturday. But I got here late, and they were already doing it. And that day, I ended up feeling like the Lord said to me, you need to go out on the street instead because you're too late for the service. And I ended up having a really good encounter with someone on the street that day. So he was kind of already bringing me here way back then. I just maybe wasn't quite keen enough to realize it. Um, but no, I had some, uh, um, I was part of a church that ended up splitting and it was a really difficult time for everybody involved. And and I just really was hungry to find a, a church that would balance the truth of the word with the power of the spirit. And I think that I had a conversation with Pastor Gina about a year ago and um, just was sensing a release from the church I was attending before. And uh, the pastor gave me his blessing to move on. And so I came here last June. Thank you. Um, so, so Jay, as, as um, we hear your story, we hear a relationship with Jesus Christ and an understanding that he died for you. And we're so grateful 
that God is bringing here. And I want to ask you a couple of questions that we ask each person that would join our church. And one is, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, sent to redeem the world? Do you love and trust him as the one who saves you from your sin? And do you, with repentance and joy, embrace him as the Lord of your life? Do you believe that the Bible is the word of God, revealing Christ and his redemption, and that the confessions of this church faithfully reflect this revelation? The third question is this. Do you accept the gracious promises of God sealed to you in your baptism, and do you affirm your union with Christ and his church, which your baptism signifies? And the fourth, do you promise to do all you can with the help of the Holy Spirit to strengthen your love and commitment to Christ by sharing faithfully in the life of the church, honoring and submitting to its authority, and do you join with the people of God in doing the work of the Lord everywhere? I do with God's help. And when that question asks, doing the work of God everywhere, we know that for you is going to mean here in, in the streets and um, in California where you just were last week, and you'll be over in um, South Korea, and we'll hear about that soon. So we know that doing the work of the Lord globally. And so, church, um, do we welcome Jay into this congregation, and will we pray for him and encourage him as the body of Christ? Amen. I'm gonna. I've asked Mark and Andrew if they would come up and um, pray for Jay as he joins the church. I'll just use that mic. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for bringing Jay here to this place. Um, for using him in so many ways in this city and around the world. Lord, I just pray that you would just continue to lead, God, lead Jay's path, that you would continue to show him how he can use his gifts here at Gold Avenue and uh, for reaching out to the people of this neighborhood and to the people of this city. I just thank you so much for the gifts that you have given him, and I just pray your blessing on him right now and thank you for him. Heavenly Father, I do just agree. Just thank you so much for the gifts that you um, have freely given to Jay and, and, and how he um, obediently just um, tries to, to walk in step with your Holy Spirit and, and where you're guiding him um, in each moment of each day. Um, God, just um, for your glory, that's, that's what um, Jay's heart is, to give, is to give you glory um, and to see um, your lost children come return to you. So, God, would you strengthen him? Would you encourage him? Um, would we as a church be an encouragement to him? Would we um, eagerly seek, um, seek your, your face and, and your will for Jay as he um, asks for prayer, as he goes out? And, um, yeah, God, we just pray your blessing, your protection over him as he does go out. Mm-hmm. We thank you for this brother. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jay, welcome to Gold Avenue Church. And so now, church family, we're going to enter into our time of family prayer. And so for those who are guests, we just each pray from wherever we are, just with a nice loud voice so that we can join along 
You don't have to pray. You can pray silently or pray out loud. But um, now we'll go to the Lord and bring our praises and our requests to him. Show us your ways, Lord. Teach us your paths. Guide us in your truth and teach us. For you are our God and our Savior. And our hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of our youth and our rebellious ways. According to your love, remember us, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright are you, Lord. Therefore, you instruct sinners in your ways. And we pray this, and we ask that you would continue to instruct us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Be better if you could hear me. Can you hear me now? Part of learning is hearing, right? So some of you really um, learn well by hearing the sermon. Some of you tell us that you wish that you had a fill in the blank to go along and that that would help you learn. Some of you say that if you can look at pictures and see something visual up on the screen, that that helps you. And um, some weeks, there's enough pastoral care needs in this congregation, and many weeks, that there's just not time in preparation to do these things. But this week, the Lord provided the opportunity, because I feel like this message is so important, that you can watch the screen, you can fill in the blanks, I don't want you to get hung up. If for some reason you miss a blank, I've got the key afterwards for those of you that just can't go home without all blanks filled in. I've got it up here. Just ask me for it afterwards. Right? Um, You can, and I, I invite you and I exhort you to listen to me because I'm speaking the very word of God this morning to you. You can also listen to this again online and you get an email. And if you're not on the email list, but you've got email access, you can listen to the link, you can read the sermon manuscript. Maybe some of you are here and you don't have that opportunity. If you want my written manuscript to take home and read over, I invite you to come and ask me for it. I've got one copy, and I'd be happy to give it to you. This is an important message from the Lord. And so, as we, as are all messages, so I'm not trying to emphasize this particular one, but for today... This is a very important message. And so he has us all here. And as I started to prepare, I thought it might be helpful to review. We have been in a series of Luke. And at the very beginning of that, Pastor Dave wrote an introduction to help us kind of set the framework for what is Luke going to teach us as we go through this? What would we expect to hear? And we expect to hear that Luke explains that Jesus is and what he did, why he came how he prepared the disciples for the role that they would play in carrying out the mission. Then Acts, as we finish Luke, at some point, Lord willing, we'll finish Luke, and then we'll start into Acts, and we'll see how the church starts to step into these roles that they've been prepared for in bringing the gospel of Jesus to all people. And virtually every unit of Luke's gospel challenges us to respond to Jesus. And so at the very center of these stories is a Jesus, the person of Jesus, who's there to show us the way. What did Jesus want people to do? 
Well, he calls people, he calls sinners to repent. He calls disciples to take up their cross and follow him. He calls witnesses to take the message of repentance and forgiveness of sins to all the nations. And I want to just explain there, witnesses to take the message of repentance and forgiveness of sins to all the nations. And so often I think we think of telling the good news of Jesus and his forgiveness of us. But have you thought that perhaps one way we take the message of repentance and forgiveness of sinners is that we forgive and we bless those who have hurt us. And that's the way that we are witnesses to the message of repentance and forgiveness. Jesus calls believers to love their enemies and pray for them. And we heard that in the sermon last week that Pastor Dave preached. And believers depend on the promise of the Holy Spirit since many will reject them. Last week, I'm just kind of reviewing still, last week Pastor Dave talked to us a bit, yeah, there, about that love isn't a feeling, but it's an action. Love is an action, that it's meant to be concrete actions that express the love of God to people, that love flows from a pure heart, and it takes action of forgiving people and blessing people. He made the point that being a disciple is not behavior management, but that actually God takes out a heart of stone and and replaces it with a heart of flesh. And so the Lord is doing this transforming work in us, and so that we will live out in action his love in the world. And this week the Lord's going to call us deeper. He's going to call us into transforming our thoughts and our old ways of reacting to life, and we're going to learn to live in our new identity. I'm reviewing still. This is chapter 6. We've been in chapter 6 for a bit now, and I just want to remind you that it started with Jesus spending all night in prayer. He spent all night praying before he called those of his disciples. He chose 12 to be the apostles. And then we see that in verse 20, he looked at his disciples. And I feel like that we just can't underestimate what it was like to hear Jesus teaching live. Because he looked at them, and I think when he looked at them, they would see love. They would see love coming through. And so the words, when he speaks of being hypocrites, they're hearing it with the eyes that are loving, and they're looking right at him. And so as they're hearing his teaching, because he's starting to do his leadership development after he came down the mountain, He starts into his leadership development, and he looks at each of those disciples with love in his eyes. And he says, blessed are you when people hate you. That's a hard word. That's a hard word. And yet they could see the love and also the strength of Jesus. And somehow I believe that they would understand and start to comprehend that somehow they were going to be blessed, even in this position of people hating them. And then verse 27, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Again, you're looking at Jesus, the embodiment of love. When Jesus came down off that mountain, he healed and he cast out evil. Do you remember that? Before he ever started to preach, he he did these demonstrations of the authority of the kingdom of God, the love of God. And I feel like as, as I thought about and reflected on this sermon, 
I felt like that maybe, just maybe, he did that demonstration not only for the people that he would bless, but also because he was going to speak to the disciples about some of the healing that they still would need to have and some of the lingering evil that would need to be removed from their lives, those patterns of behavior. And I feel like he demonstrated the authority to be able to do that, saying, I'm going to be able to help you be able to do this, and I'm going to do this for you in your life as well. And so we're going to read our text today is from Luke 6. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the third gospel in the New Testament, Luke 6, starting with verse 37. Does anybody have that in the Pew Bible? Six, page 1604 if you're using the Bible in your seat. You should call it your seat Bible instead of your pew Bible, right? All right. Luke 6:37. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust In your brother's eye, and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is God's word for us today. When we look at this passage, we have to make a determination about how we're going to interpret it. How are we going to read it? And this passage is not like Proverbs, where Proverbs every sentence or two seems to be kind of a standalone little idea. At first, when we read this, it could kind of seem like, oh, well, there's this, these commands about do not judge and, you know, don't do these two things and do these two things. And then it could seem like, oh, then there's this parable, there's this teaching story about the blind leading the blind. And then there's this thing about sawdust and a plank. And, you know, in some ways, sometimes maybe you might think, well, we'll just teach about giving and we'll just talk about a good measure and we'll make this a tithing sermon. Or... Maybe we'll just talk about being a hypocrite and um, taking out a speck when you've got a plank and just talk about being a hypocrite. But actually, these aren't three standalone ideas, but this is one passage that has a central theme, and it all ties together. And we're going to look at how this all ties together this morning. It starts with understanding the terms, understanding how our flesh, our old sin nature, would respond to hatred. And the Lord says, do not judge. 
And you'll see a definition on your handout of do not judge. Do not make a judgment that causes you to cut yourself off from that person. Don't be critical or fault-finding. This still allows for determining are things right or wrong because Jesus is the ultimate judge, but he's given us his word, and so we can make determinations about whether activities and actions are lining up with the word of God. But it's saying don't make a judgment so that you would cut yourself off in a relationship with a person because they were doing something that was wrong. And I just want to make a little nuance on that. We are not saying stay in an abusive relationship. If you have one of those, talk to Pastor Dave or I or one of the board. Okay, so do not judge. We talked about what does judge mean. Do not condemn. Condemn means to criticize, to attack, to convict, to sentence, or to doom. So do not attack. Do not go on the counterattack. Jesus says, forgive. Forgive means to pardon, to excuse, or to exonerate, which means to clear the record, to wipe the slate clean. We're supposed to do that. Wipe the slate clean. This is kind of fun. Do this. Wipe the slate clean, right? Wipe the slate clean. You think about somebody hurting you. You think about somebody mistreating you. You think about words that are hurtful. And he says, wipe the slate clean. He also says we're to give, which means to donate, to contribute, to furnish, to offer presents. These are the things that Jesus tells us to do. And he's preparing his disciples to encounter insult and hardship and persecution because of their religious beliefs, because they believe in him. And Jesus knows that in our sinful nature and the way that we were born into sin and we've been raised up into sin because of the culture in the world, that we tend to judge that we tend to cut ourselves off. If somebody hurts us, you know, we're just going to cut that relationship. And we um, are certainly not thinking about showing grace, which is undeserved kindness towards somebody that's mean, right? We're not thinking about serving undeserved kindness towards somebody. We're thinking about maybe making their life miserable. Like if they're making my life miserable, then I think I want to make their life equally miserable or maybe a little more. That's the way we think in our old flesh nature. We certainly don't forgive. We think about nursing our hurts and holding grudges. And we certainly are not thinking about ways to be generous and give gifts to people that have hurt us. And in our old way of functioning, we act very independent of God. We act independent of God. And we see in the Old Testament, oftentimes they turn towards wisdom of others or other things for wisdom. And Jesus is warning against that, and that's when he goes into this next talk about the blind leading the blind, following the advice and the counsel of other humans who are speaking from their own broken state. All right? So the blind leading the blind. When you have the blind leading the blind, they're going to say things like, um, they're going to listen to the problem, and they're going to say, what a jerk. He shouldn't talk to you that way. I hope you gave him a piece of your mind. I think you ought to sue. You should fight back. Or maybe they might give you the advice, I'd leave him. Well, I would certainly leave her. When the blind are leading the blind and they're speaking through their broken, sinful nature, they condemn 
And they say things like, well, I'd make that person's life miserable. I'd make them pay for what they've done. I'd tell everyone in town what a rotten place that is to work. I would get online and do the um, comments about that business, and I would, like, over and over and over, make comments about how rotten their service was at that place. They'd urge you to hold a grudge. They'd urge you to withhold everything from that offending person, including love and dignity and relationship. That is the blind, leading the blind by the wisdom and the ways of this world. That is not God's wisdom. And I want to tell you a story about my own life and getting two kinds of advice. Sometimes life is hard, and sometimes your enemies aren't necessarily the people that you work with or even neighbors in the neighborhood, but sometimes the people that hurt you the most are in your family or your extended family. And that's what happened to me. And I had a terrible hurt and a terrible wound, and I was angry, and I was frustrated, and I was looking to try to figure out how to deal with my feelings And deal with this relationship. And the first thing I wanted to do was just cut strings and be gone and be away. And I also wanted to keep my children away because I thought that would certainly hurt, wouldn't it? And so not doing family, extended family things, that would be a way to get back. And I'm not proud of these reactions, but this is from the old sinful nature. And when that rises up in a person, that's the way I was feeling. And so I talked to somebody that gave me the blind leading the blind advice. And they said, well, I think you should be assertive. I think you should go and you should say everything. You should give the list of every way and everything that they've ever done to hurt you. And you should say how you felt about that. And that's certainly not wrong to um, be assertive. But it, it wasn't being said to do this in love. It was just saying, go and exert your rights and list every wrong that's been done and say how you felt. That was one advice, and that was the blind leading the blind. The other advice I got was from a godly mentor who said, Gina, you sound angry. Do you think you've forgiven? Have you prayed for this person, and have you asked the Lord to pour out blessings So many blessings that they can't even contain all the blessings in their life? Well, I'm guessing that you can imagine that in my angry state, one of those pieces of advice sounded better to me than the other. And so I chose that blind leading the blind advice. And I went and I said, I'd like to meet with you and I'd like to tell you some things. And I listed out the ways that this person had hurt me. And I listed out the ways that I felt about it. And I watched that person listen but get really agitated and angry and start yelling. And then I get angry and I start crying. And the relationship fissure deepened. The fruit of that was not good. The fruit of that would lead to death, right? That was not Good. That was the blind leading the blind. And that was the advice that I got, but I had also gotten some good advice, some godly advice, and I had rejected that because of my feelings, because of my sense of entitlement 
that I should be able to hang on to this hurt. Well, live and learn in God's grace. He keeps coming. He keeps forgiving us when we mess up. He keeps teaching us his way. But how do we walk in the way of the kingdom? Well, we need to look to Jesus. We look to Jesus and we start to see how he modeled love and forgiveness. And he talks about this two people that are blind and they can't see clearly. And if the blind is trying to lead the blind, we're going to go over the pit, right? And so we need to look to Jesus rather than looking to other people, particularly people that are not giving us godly biblical advice. That third section of the scripture talks about taking a plank out of our eyes. The plank in our own eyes needs to come out. And what is that plank? And it seems to me that that plank is actually talking about those four things that start right at the beginning of this. Don't judge. So take out judgment. Take out condemnation. Take out unforgiveness. And take out stinginess. Take those things that are the plank. Take it out of our eyes through repentance. Do you know what repentance is? It's saying, I acknowledge with you, God, that this is a wrong, sinful way to act. I'm sorry. I'm going to turn from it, and I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go in your way. So we repent. We confess our sins. We turn from them. That's repentance. And we start to walk in the Lord's ways. And so this is the way to walk in the kingdom. Now, it talks about some sawdust or speck and a plank. And I want to tell you a story about, and I found this little cartoon um, where there's a medical person coming in to try to help the person that's having some eye issues, and the medical person has this big plank in their eye. Well, when I worked in the factory, I worked in the medical department as a nurse, and as I worked in the um, factory, sometimes the high lows would go by or blowers and blow some dust in people's eye, and they'd come in. And they would just be holding their eye, and they'd be like, oh, I've got something in my eye. you got to get it out. you got to get it out right now. You know, and they would just be almost hysterical because anything in your eye is very irritating, right? Now, they'd come in, and they would want that to be irrigated. They'd want that speck of dust out. But now just imagine if I'm there as the nurse, and I have a plank in my eye. And when this is talking about a plank... It's not even talking about that length of wood. What the original is talking about is the supporting beam of a building structure. I have the supporting beam of a building structure. I don't even know where that beam would be. Some of you construction people would know that. But something large and sturdy and big would be in my eye. Well, now imagine if I'm the nurse and somebody's got a little speck of dust which really needs very intricate care because you have to really look carefully for that little speck of dust. And can you imagine if I've got this beam in my eye and my eye is weeping profusely and I try to work, let's just say I'm working on Rachel's eye, I'm trying to do this little minutia situation over here with this huge beam in my eye. Do you think I'm going to be effective? Do you think I might hurt her eye while I'm trying to work on it? Yeah. I would be the priority patient. I would be the one that needed to get this out. 
Now, the good news is that it's actually easier to get something big out of an eye than something tiny. And so it's not hard because you can see and get a hold of it and pull it on out. Whereas a little speck sometimes really is hard to get out. But I I would be the priority patient. Well, Jesus is saying, 12 disciples, you are the priority patients. You are the ones that are going to probably respond out of your old flesh nature when the persecution comes, when the hardships come. You're going to respond probably with this big beam in your eye. And you're going to be blind until it comes out. Remember, this is about the mission of God. This is about those that he loves that don't know him yet coming to know Jesus and his love. And so sometimes I think we take this message of love and like, oh, Jesus loves me. But Jesus loves us and Jesus loves those that don't know him yet. And so he wants us to treat them with gentleness and kindness and respect for that speck that's in their eye. And he recognizes that if we've got judgment and condemnation and unforgiveness, and if we're trying to look at them through that, we're not going to see them correctly. And we need to see Jesus. We need to see Jesus. When we have clear sight, we see our teacher, Jesus. When our sight is clear, we can see Jesus. And how do we see Jesus? We need to remember that he tells us he's always with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He sends his Holy Spirit to help us to love and to forgive and to bless. But first we need to see them, like Pastor Dave said last week, through the cross. With their sins separated from them. And actually he died for their sins too, not just ours. Right? And so we need to see Jesus And when we see Jesus, we remember that he's with us. He'll help us to be able to bless and to love those who even are very, very difficult to bless and to love. Last week, Pastor Dave talked about Gordon Wilson. Maybe some of you that were here, maybe some of you were away for the holiday, but this was a story about a man and his 20-year-old daughter that were waiting for a parade. I think it was in Ireland, and the IRA had set a bomb, and that bomb went off. And he was injured, but his daughter was killed right there in his arms that day. And then very shortly, he was on television, and he said, I bear no ill will, I bear no grudge. And he called for forgiveness, he called for reconciliation. He quickly took the debris out of his eye, and he spoke forgiveness and blessing and called for God's purposes on earth. Now, in my story, I wasn't nearly as quick of a learner as Gordon Wilson. It took years. I'm sorry to say, but it took years of receiving healing prayer and of healing, hearing people talk to me over and over about forgiveness to understand that actually that forgiveness that I'm called to do isn't letting them off the hook completely, but it's putting them on God's hook and that he's going to be the judge but that I could be free from this burden because actually it's a burden that I would carry around of unforgiveness. And so eventually it came the time that I did choose, even though that person never understood or asked for forgiveness for their actions, but I was able to forgive and I was actually able to pray blessings. And when I did, then I found that I didn't feel like I needed to separate myself anymore. 
And I didn't need to try to make the consequences of their actions come about because I could trust that the Lord had purposes. And actually, maybe some of the consequences and the consequences that he wanted was actually for them to be loved and to recognize this unconditional love of God because he loves us unconditionally. It wasn't because of anything we did. It was because of his grace. It was because of his love that he would forgive us. And so as I did that, I was able to actually draw this person in closer. And so when they would call and needed their leaves cleaned up in the fall, we would go and do that then. Or when they needed health care provided, and I'm a nurse, the Lord helped me to be able to provide care. And so for my children watching on, that was a witness. That was a witness of forgiveness, right? For the unbelieving friends that would watch on and ask about it, it would give me an opportunity to speak about the forgiveness that I've received and that I can extend. And so removing that plank out of my eye took longer. It was a process, but the Lord helped me. But he says, take the plank out of your eye. He doesn't say he's going to do it for you. He will help you do it. But it's a choice. There's a response. Remember, Luke's calling for a response to God's word. And so there's a response. Now, I want to go back and talk about this. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And in my mind and in my pastor's study this week, as I thought about this in my mind, I, in my imagination, I could imagine that as that gentleman, Gordon, forgave and said, I hold no, no ill will. This idea of shaken down and pressed together is like if you pour Rice Krispies into the Tupperware container and you shake it so that more will fit in there. Shake it. More will fit in there. It's a measuring device. Shake it. More will fit in there. And I can imagine that as he's forgiving and calling for reconciliation, that Jesus is making a note, pour out blessings on that man's life. As I'm taking the plank out of my eye and forgiving the person that hurt me, I imagine that God's shaking up the container so that more blessings will fit into my life. And I imagine that you know by now that God knows everything. He knows every enemy. He knows what they've done to you. He knows how they've hurt you. And he stands ready to shake up that container and to pour more blessings, all the blessings to the measure that you show the generosity and love and forgiveness of God to your enemies. He's ready to pour out that measure of love and blessing in your life. Imagine it. Can you imagine it? Today, God's word requires a response. And so even as Ken prayed that that the Lord would prick our consciences and would keep this as something that we would not forget, I believe the Holy Spirit is not going to let you be settled until you respond to his word. And his word is good, and it's a call to represent his love by forgiving and blessing and pouring out goodness, undeserved goodness, on the people that have been the most difficult for you to deal with in your whole life. 
And so this isn't a nice, tidy sermon that we just wrap up in a package, put a bow on it, and say, okay, we're done with this on Sunday. I'm asking you to go home or to even stay here, and you deal with it. You and Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you deal with it. You say, I'm tired of revenge. I'm not going to perpetuate violence anymore. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to bless. I'm going to be generous and give to those people that have hurt me. Because I want the gospel news to go forward. Because God's love wants to change our hearts, this neighborhood, and the world. Let's pray. Lord, your word will not return void. And so I ask you now that you would apply it deeply to us. With your love, Lord, let us all see your loving eyes and know that you love us and that you want to pour blessings into our lives as we obey your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. I'm going to ask the board members to come forward. As some of you know and others, you'll just hear that Pastor Dave already is out in Vancouver to teach at a conference on growing the church in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll be flying out this afternoon to join him on the teaching team for this next week, Monday through Thursday. We'll be flying back overnight, Thursday night, coming back on Friday. And so um, we are delighted to have the church pray for us and send us as agents and representatives of Christ and of agents and representatives of Gold Avenue Church. And so the board has agreed to pray for us, sending prayers, and I represent both. And actually, Anne, could you join me to represent Pastor Dave? Why do I represent both of us? You come up here. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here with our pastors. Lord, we know the grateful work that they do here at Gold Avenue Church. But Lord, we know that you have a bigger world, just not right here on the west side of Grand Rapids. Your world is forever lasting, miles and miles away. Lord, we uh, thank you that uh, we have two pastors that are willing to go to search, to send your word to others who don't know about you. Or maybe they heard about you, Lord, but they need to be reassured by your word by someone coming to them, willing to sacrifice their time. Lord, we ask that you be with, her, with her, Pastor Gina as he, she leaves this afternoon on a plane to meet with Dave to uh, teach others about who you are in their lives. That they may have freedom in you, Lord. That the devil does not have to have a foothold on them. That they may be able to have the Spirit of God walking alongside of them and under their own feet, Lord. So be with us as we send Pastor Gina along with Pastor Dave to their services, Lord. We say this in Jesus' name. They would be filled with the knowledge and wisdom that only you can give, that the recipients would be inspired, that they would hear you, that they would see you, and that they would glorify you, and that they would go out and uh, be disciple makers. We pray for their health. We pray for their traveling mercies. We pray for um, any 
hindrance that might have come upon them, we pray that you would uh, remove that. We're thankful, Lord, that they have been called and that they're willing to sacrifice their time. And we pray that as they go, they will uh, grow in your spirit and that when they come back, that we will see this and that we will give praise to you because they will be a blessing to us as well. Hear our prayers. We praise and thank you, Lord Jesus, for sending Pastor Dave and Pastor Gina here to be with us, that they were obedient to answer your call. Lord, we thank you for the blessings that you have showered upon us through them and through your Holy Spirit. And now, Lord, as a, a thanks offering from us, Lord, we want to, to send them to send your blessings far and wide throughout many others, Lord. We pray for each individual that will attend the conference to hear their teaching. May they just have receptive hearts, Lord, to send out your message everywhere it goes. And we do pray for their protection, Lord. We pray for their health and strength, their traveling mercies. Give them clear minds and energy, Lord, to do exactly what you want them to do. And we pray for their loved ones back here, Lord, that nothing would be a hindrance to disturb them or take their mind from what you want them to do. Protect their loved ones here. Protect your church. Help us, Lord, to um, work together to show your love around the world through them. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to send Pastor Dave and Pastor Gina to this conference. And I want to especially pray that you will equip them to serve uh, uniquely to everyone that comes in, in their own particular life situation. Some may come with questions. Some may come with reservations. Some may come with um, hesitancy because of issues that they need to leave behind just in order to go to this uh, training, and I just pray that you will equip Pastor Gina and Pastor Dave to just minister to them most effectively and in your power. And so we ask for your rich blessing up upon them, keep them safe, and give them good travels and good rest and daily energy. We ask this in thy name alone. Amen. Church, if you'll stand. This morning I was reading something that talked about the rocking chair test. And so in making decisions in life, this person said that they just put it through the rocking chair test, that at the end of their life when they're sitting in a rocking chair, are they going to be glad they made that decision or are they going to have regrets? And today you've heard a word from the Lord, a call to forgive and to bless. And I pray that the Lord gives you great wisdom as you put it through that rocking chair test and you think about what the outcome could be if you would follow the Lord because he certainly wants to pour out his blessings. And so the Lord give you grace and peace to do his will. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>